This is Ellie from the Come Read With Me team. Chris and David are currently working on season four. So until then, check back each week for bonus content from the guys, including sermons, teachings, and an upcoming Q&A. This week, we have one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was um, playing a rather tough game of hockey, and tensions were getting high. Um, A few players were putting in really hard tackles from both sides, really, Um, but especially their defenders against us attackers. I'm an attacker, and I was attacking with a few others, and the defenders were pretty pretty harsh. And at one point, we had a breakaway. I got the ball... And I passed to my um, a f- a friend, who's also an attacker, and the defender from behind came in the back of him holding his stick and just kind of shoved him through the back. And it's, it's a bit of a, a sly dig, you know, you shouldn't really do it. He came through the back and the other attacker with me was kind of tired of this happening because it happened a few times. And as he was falling over because the guy really shoved him, he kind of flung his stick out and he hit the guy. That is a no-go area. Suddenly there was a big square off and they were face-to-face gunning for each other. Their whole team run over. I'm right next to the event and I'm like, jump in. And they're like, thicker, 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 you're thicker. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And then I'm having to deal with the situation in which um, everyone's like face-to-face spitting venom. Like, you hit me. Oh, oh, yeah. All of this. And, uh, and it kind of got to quite an aggressive stage. And the guy who got hit was like really adamant. How dare you? It's outrageous, you know? And I was like, well, you know, it was a response to your action, which you came in the back of him with your stick. And he's like, oh, it's not, it's no, you can never hit someone. And I say, I'm not defending like what his action was, but it was a response. Like you're not innocent in this. Anyway, the, the teams were really kind of getting a bit heated. And then the umpires came over and they really had to try and take control of the situation before it got out of hand. And basically, Our player got red carded, which is rare, because in hockey it goes green, yellow, then red. So green is like, um, you know, be careful, there's a bit of a sin bin. Yellow is quite serious, but straight red is like, you have to actually leave the whole ground. So um, he got redded, which was probably fair, because you can't strike out with a stick and hit someone. And the other guy got a yellow card, and everyone kind of started to breathe, to calm down, and the game resumed, and we we played on in the game. And pretty much there was not as much aggro after that situation, but kind of like thinking on that afterwards, it kind of got me thinking about this idea of of failing, of of reaction, of judgment, of um, kind of what could have been, what wasn't, and what needed to happen, and why it happened. And it's, it's, in a sense... It was giving me these like Lenten thoughts, you know, when you come into this Lenten period, you reflect on the wrongs that have happened. You reflect on the judgment that is given and why that needs to be given. And, and this is this, this season that we're in, a time when we, we look at our failings, a time that we look towards the cross at what Christ has done. And we ask ourselves why it needed to happen and what he's done for us. And it's an honest look at ourselves. It's a time to honestly look at ourselves, that we, that we ask ourselves the questions of how is our relationship with Christ? How can we seek to grow with him? How can we grow closer to God? What do we need to say to ourselves to lay down, to honestly face? What holy habits can we perhaps pick up? Things like 
prayer scripture service. So we are in this season that brings, in a sense, a mirror up to us, which can be difficult to look at. But I want us to think about this, and I want us to think today about a difficult subject, and that subject is judgment. And when we think about it, perhaps your immediate reaction is judgment, that's bad. We know in scriptures it says, do not judge. Judgment relates to consequence. And for the most part, when we think about judgment, we think about punishment. And that can be uncomfortable. But God's character is good, holy good. He is a holy God and God judges. And judgment, therefore, is good and holy when God does it. Jesus talks about himself being a judge. He says, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The passage goes on and says, but one side will be blessed and have an inheritance and the other will be rejected and go on to eternal punishment. Now, this is not a sermon on hell or our concepts of it. This is about judgment and the two things are separate. But scripture is pretty clear. There will be a judgment. And as we've read in our other scriptures, God has already done this. Noah's Ark. That wonderful children's story about rainbows and animals and the annihilation of everything on earth. It's quite graphic. It's quite dark. If you think about what actually happened in which God looked at the earth and he went, nope, control, alt, delete, everything. Apart from this one family. It is uncomfortable and it's, it is interesting, though, however, that we struggle with judgment far more in the West than Christians do in the East. I have pastors, friends, and, and I know people who work in such places, and they say people long for God's judgment in these places, where there is the weak, the oppressed, the helpless, the hurting, who call out to God, who long for God's judgment to come. Just think of the thousands of innocent Palestinians crying out to God for his judgment, who long for God to come and help them, to bring them justice for their children, for their brothers, for their sisters, for the pain and suffering that they're going through. Think about those in Ukraine who have lost loved ones, who have lost sons because of an unfair and illegal war. Think about the crises and pain that we go through, that when we call out for justice, for judgment, for God to do something. It is not just about punishment. It is something more. The Hebrew word for judgment is shafat, which is synonymous with restoration, order, deliverance, rescue. When God judges, he brings these things. He brings justice. He brings healing. He brings restoration. Think of the Magnificat, this wonderful song, Mary's song of jubilation when she is pregnant She sings out this wonderful song. She's overcome by the Spirit and she speaks about what Jesus will do. And a little segment of that Magnificat is this. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent the rich away empty. Dictators and tyrants feared people singing this song. Over the past century, dictators in three different countries have banned this song from the Bible. They've banned the public recitation of Mary's Magnificat. Governments in India 
I think even in the British, the British government in India, in Argentina, in Guatemala, these, this was banned. They did not like the understanding of this message of societal upheaval. It dangered them and the status quo, the kind of lording it over others. In the US, the slaveholders censored whole sections of the Bible. They issued a slave Bible. Slaves were not allowed to read or listen to anything about liberation theology, anything about Israel freeing itself from slavery. Slaveholders didn't want the slaves reading about a God who sets people free. When God brings judgment, he brings freedom. In the Bible, there is a book called Judges. Now, it's not about men and women in wigs giving out sentences. It's not about great punishments of people. It's about great men and women of faith leading the people of Israel to freedom against their enemies. These people being God's means of deliverance. They are heroes of the faith. They have their own issues, but they trust in God and they bring this freedom. But if we're honest, the truth is judgment is hard and it is a little scary. Last week, uh, Jenny and I and the family, we were in Devon for a few days and I took Rose on a morning swim, a beautiful morning. We jumped in this little off a jetty into a harbor and we were swimming around and um, suddenly a police car pulls up and I'm like, oh my gosh, why is there a police car there? You know, it's in the morning, I'm like, am I not allowed to swim in this area? I've, I've done it before. Did someone call the police? What's, what's going on? Are we doing something wrong? Turns out the police officer, a lady, just loved the beautiful sea. She just was sat there. She was like, oh, a lovely daughter and daddy swimming together. And she was very like, hey, well done. And I was like, okay. But it, I don't know what it is, you know, you're like, have I done something wrong? And we don't like judgment because if we're truthful, it shows that we've done something wrong. We don't like it. The Bible talks about the consequences of sin. It uses imagery of fire and eternal punishment, of separation, of gnashing of teeth, of worms eating flesh. It's all quite unsettling. In Romans 3 tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin, which each of us has done, causes pain and suffering to us and to others, and it needs dealing with. And God is a God who is good and he has, deals out justice. He can't say it's all, oh, I'll just forget it all. It has to be dealt with. It has to be done. The grave nature of sin has grave consequences, and the consequences of sin is death. But thank God... For God's abundance of love and mercy, he does deal with it. He takes on the consequences. As our passage that we had from 1 Peter states, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. We should praise God for his judgment. For his judgment is good and his judgment deals with sin. And it pronounces us as innocent in Christ. If you have time, read Psalm 98, which is such a wonderful psalm of praise. But this is the final verse, which the psalm is building up towards. Psalm 98, the final verse. Let the sea resound and everything in it. Let the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. 
The psalm is praising God for his coming judgment. It is not one of fear and dread. It is one of joy, for God comes. You and me, we are not saved by our good works. We are justified through Jesus' life, his death. We are saved through the work of the cross, where God laid upon him the inequity of us all. Jesus came and he was tempted by the devil himself, one of the most powerful angels. This scripture tells us the devil just pulled him in and he went, the spirit led him, he goes into the desert. He is tempted by Satan and he overcomes. Where Adam and Eve failed, he overcame. And Jesus defeats him. He lives a sinless life and then he willingly takes all of the sin that you and I have done and all things of evil. He takes them onto himself and he destroys them on the cross. And he offers you his place as a loved, innocent, guiltless, sinless child of God. God's judgment is to take away our sin through Christ. This Lent, we need to revisit all that God has done for us. The extent of our sin, but also the love of God. The judgment we should face, but borne by Christ himself, who died that we might live. That The judgment of God brings us freedom. One of the great failings of us as humans is that we are quick to judge others and slow to recognize our own failings. When I can tell you this, the closer I am to God, the more I am aware of my sin and also the more I'm aware of what he's done for me on the cross and his love to do it. One of the signs of the Holy Spirit is the work of conviction of sin. It's interesting, when Jesus introduces what the Spirit will do, he says that in John 16, when teaching about his departure, and he says, I will send the Spirit, he says, sending the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will convict the world of sin. That is part of the role of the Spirit. To be clear, the devil accuses, okay, The voice of the devil is to say, you are worthless, you are scum, you are disgusting, you should be ashamed, you are not loved. How could God love you to throw you out as much as he can? The Holy Spirit convicts, he highlights, he illuminates, and in you is a deep groaning that makes you recognize your failing and you call for mercy. It makes you go, oh, Father, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Have mercy upon me. This is the work of the Spirit. Lent is about allowing this groaning to take place, which leads you closer to the cross. It leads you towards God's welcome. It leads you towards God's judgment, which brings you again to God's great love and mercy. Use this Lent to grow closer in the love of God. Amen. Hey guys, this is Rev Chris. Uh, Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and been blessed. If you'd like to support me, then you can head to my Patreon and the link is in the bio. God bless.